Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And it feels like I haven't been on the podcast in a couple of weeks, but that's not true. I think we just had one week off and I received a few emails asking what I've been up to lately because I've been doing so many interviews and not sharing so much about what I have personally been experiencing in a lot of this year. So just to answer that, I have been working on a project. Um, It's something that I've been wanting to work on for close to 10 years, and it's finally happening. So I am very excited about this project, and I look forward to sharing more details with you probably early 2020. So stay tuned for that. I also want to say welcome to all of our new community members. It is so amazing. It blows my mind that we still have so many new people joining the podcast and tuning in. So welcome and thank you so much for being here. Now for all of you, I am so excited about today's guest. She is someone who um, I have been waiting to interview for a few months and I am a fan of her work. Her name is Alana Fairchild, and I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with her work. She has beautiful oracle decks, two of which I own. Um, One of my very favorites is the Sacred Rebels. So we had a conversation about the power and the importance of the Sacred Feminine. Now, I'm sure all of you know, I mean, there is so much talk about reconnecting to the divine feminine, this resurgence of the divine feminine consciousness and energy, and we see this playing out in the world in many ways. So I thought that this would be a beautiful opportunity to have this conversation and have all of you here, the point of view of someone whose work is really centered around and focused around this beautiful feminine and goddess energy. So Alana not only creates these beautiful oracle decks, she also has uh, guided meditations, sacred music that she creates. She even does an online healing program, and it's called Soul Guidance and Sacred Mentoring, SGSM. But she also has an upcoming course called the Kuan Yin Transmission, which we will hear more about in the interview. So I want to thank you all so much for being here. If you want to learn more about Alana's work, be sure to go to alanafairchild.com and you can look down in the show notes and see the link to go to her website. Oh, and one other thing, for those of you who may be interested in journeying to Egypt, she will be hosting a retreat to Egypt in 2020 and we talk about that as well. So again, I thank you all for being here. Sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, so first I want to thank everyone for being here as always, but thank you so much to our special guest today, Alana Fairchild. Thank you for coming to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here and to have a chance to talk with you. Yes. So I have to say, first of all, um, I mentioned to you in the background, but I found you years ago because of your decks. 
and your decks are amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to show people watching the first that I found was the Isis Oracle. And because of that deck, I found Sacred Rebels, which we'll get into it in a bit. But the beauty is, fortunately, the decks led me to going to your site. And so I found that you do so much work with connecting to the sacred feminine and the divine feminine. So I wanted to start out with just asking you, what drew you into connection to the sacred feminine and why is that so important? I think it was a case of me being hit on the head a number of times by the mm. universe and kind of falling inelegantly into it and then not really knowing what it was that was happening. And I think it's not only me that's gone through this. I find that a lot of people that are going through a kind of initiation to the divine feminine, it's often one of the hallmarks that we really just all of a sudden don't know what on earth we're doing. Our plans start falling apart. There's a feeling that we don't really um, have the capacity to control or we lose the desire to try and control everything. And we're kind of sensing some deeper intelligence and passion and desire and, and motivation and meaning that's sort of, trying to arise from within but it's almost like having a feeling of something that you don't yet have a real language for um, or an understanding of it so it was kind of this sense of me stumbling and trying to figure out why everything was falling apart and I had enough of a sense of love and trust with the universe that I figured there was something good underneath it but my goodness it was difficult there was just a long time where I really felt incredibly confused and I had to turn to something and the only thing that was really available to me at the time was a source of guidance because everything had kind of shut down the way I normally channeled just it's like a door just got closed and so I had to work with my dreams mm. that's often the way that you know the feminine can really speak to us because it's not there's no logic door that it has to get through it's just the energy can start to come through and the symbolism and little by little and it took me a long time um, but I gradually began to understand through the dreams and through needing to work with dream images. Then all of a sudden I was very interested in music and dance and I'd always loved that even as a child, but I'd never really thought about it deeply as a way of building and expressing and honouring one's own soul. So that all started to, and I became obsessed with um, colour medicine and just mm you know, everything, just vibrancy and different frequencies and essential oils, anything sensual and earthy that felt also healing. And that was it. I was, I was in it then. <laughs> she kind of had me. And, and then it was like a sense of being led into this beautiful world because there's such a multiplicity in the divine feminine. Well, it's really interesting to hear you say that because one of the things I saw, I saw a video of you singing and I have to say your voice so beautiful but even the way you were moving and the tone and the sound it was just like you this amazing energy coming through you this expression that was coming through you and I thought about your body of work that we're aware of in a more public sense and I'm like wow it's amazing that you really allow this to move through you in so many different ways so was it your own experience of going through whatever pushed you into that surrender? Is that why you started creating the books and the cards and all of these things to support other people? Yeah, it's, um, I remember once a music producer that I used to work for, he said um, that if he didn't write music, he felt like some, like, 
almost like creatively constipated or something yeah. like that. He was like, something had to kind of be released and he just had to do it. And I kind of relate. It's like, you know, a bird needs to fly and a, a tree needs to do what the tree... And, yeah. and I just need to, to let the creative flow come through. It's same, like a, a healer needs to heal. You just, you've yes. got to do it. Right. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's quite an inner compulsion but I think that also that's the nature of the divine feminine it seeks to express something that feels real um and I think all of us in our own way depending on our talents you know and what we're drawn to but it is the part of us that feels this deep compulsion to to be or do um something authentic and and it's just it often doesn't make sense. People might not understand it around us. There might not even really be a feeling that there's any place for our voice or what it is that we want to share. But nonetheless, we just feel if I don't do this, it's like the real me is being boxed up and put aside and I just I can't tolerate that. I just have to, you know, to let it out. And I think that's the thing. You know, she's real and she wants to to let it come through. Well, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about, because even though you have even some decks that aren't necessarily focused on the divine feminine or a particular goddess, although many are, which again, I want to ask you about, you have um, other inspirations that come through as well, right? But with the goddesses in particular, do they come to you? Were they coming in your dreams or were you calling to them like, please support me in whatever cycle I'm going through? Um, for me, I feel like all of these different projects and inspirations and these particular divine beings have called me and I've been quite clueless. And I don't say it in a bad way. Like I just, you know, I'm la-da-da and I go, <laughs> I float through my life and I don't always realise until later when things come together just how much those divine beings have been like placing breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is also I think something incredibly legitimate when you know we feel drawn to a particular being like um, Tara for example who I just love and I I feel that she's been with me forever but but this lifetime you know I really did um, just feel drawn to her but not really know much about her and Mm -hmm. I had to kind of learn I was following my own passion really for this beautiful divine being and then learned there's this whole world about her and she's amazing. Um, but I didn't know any of that at the time. So it's kind of organic. It's, I think we all have a seed within our hearts of certain things that we're supposed to discover and express and they're kind of, they're already there. And right. then whether or not it seems like we're chasing it or it's chasing us, it's mm-hmm. kind of landscape. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, that the seed is what's really the thing that matters. Well, it's... Funny, because that's actually how I found you again. So I was, um, I've always felt this resonance with Egyptian energy, even at a very young age, but never researched. And then when I started doing this work, I started seeing and sensing the goddess Isis around me. So I started researching her. And at the time, I was also um, getting acquainted with Oracle. So that's where I found the Isis Oracle. And I just want to show how beautiful these cards are. Um, but one of the things about your decks, the two that I have that are so different than a lot of other decks is not only can they be used for reading? Yes, but they're really like healing decks. So, you know, it's 
so interesting how this one in particular has rituals and incantations and then the sacred rebels, which I love too. It has a section of healing process. Just look at the beauty in these cards, my gosh. But what I wanted to know from your lens, it's again, it's not just a reading deck. What inspired you to put so much uh, support in what you wrote? I think my underlying philosophy, and it's, I've not never really thought about just always been there, but you know, life is this beautiful, crazy, mysterious gift. And I feel that we, you know, our spirit comes into a a body and takes this life journey to grow and to heal and to become awakened. And I, I really do believe in the, in the depths of my heart that our spiritual destiny is all the same. You know, we take these remarkably unique pathways to it, but, but we're all returning home to the the awakened essence and the beauty of our being inside. And so to me, anything that happens in our lives, even if it seems to be about our work or our health or um, uh, money or love, it's all part of the learning that serves that. So healing to me is, is kind of the whole point. Um, right. And and healing is not just the work. It's also things becoming more gracious and more open and, and more beautiful. And, you know, being human can be really tough. It's sort of an advanced spiritual school. So I think if there are ways that I can bring through divine beauty to uplift and, and resonate and remind people of, of what they really are beneath, which has nothing to do with all the games that, you know, the mind and the ego play in the world, all of that stuff is just, you know, fodder. Nothing more than mm-hmm. thought of the spiritual path. And we get caught up in it sometimes. And it's so just depressing and <laughs> <laughs> ugly and horrible. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I want to help alleviate that. And I think there's something really beautiful about feeling that we can be empowered to do some of our own healing on ourselves and for others. Because I do believe, you know, if you have a heart, you have the potential to, to have a healing channel. Yes. And that's one of the things I love, even about these decks and Oracle um, overall, is it to me seems to give us these mirrors, right? That help reveal what it is that we're holding on to. But again, you have, (laughs) your books are so rich with information that really bring people into a space of self-reflection. But also I think um, things that we may want to judge, the way that you write it really brings us again into some different level of understanding and teaching people or guiding them into sitting with themselves. So again, like these decks are beautiful and I can't wait, you know, to hear about the latest one actually. But I wanted to ask you that too. How do you do it? I mean, do you just allow yourself to go with how you're inspired to create in all the different ways that you do? Yeah, I'm really lucky in that my publisher, um, Blue Angel, is just, I mean, we have a very unusual relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. So he will just, Tony, who um, is the head of Blue Angel, who's also an artist and a writer himself. So he really, he kind of understands that creative world is not just coming from a business perspective, although he has very good business instincts, but he just lets me really trust my process. And spirit, you know, I didn't realise when I started, but it makes sense now that I think about it. Um, Spirit really seems to have an understanding of what needs to come through when and the order of certain decks and 
you know, even I've recently just finished writing one dedicated to the goddess Kali and I'm really excited about it. But, oh my, it was huge. <laughs> I tell you, there's a lot of relationship stuff that just did not survive me writing that deck. It just got cleared away and right. it's been beautiful and healing. Um, but the funny story with that is that the artist who's been creating the work for it is the same artist that did the work for the Isis Oracle. Okay. We asked him years ago if he'd be interested. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, the right artist hasn't come yet, I guess. So I just had to wait. And there were other things and other decks that happened. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, my publisher said, let's ask him again. And we said, oh, I don't know if you remember this. It was years ago. And he said, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then they're all just together. And I just thought... I don't know if I would have been ready to write that any earlier. You know, I have to go on a huge process to bring this stuff through because um, I want it to be authentic. You know, I really truly have experienced and connected with everything that I write. There's no point me just talking about, you know, wouldn't it be nice if this was the case? Like, you know, no, it, it has to feel real. You have to feel, I think, a sense of trust if you're going to go on this journey and someone's going to be guiding you. Right. Um, I feel like I've gone on so many tangents there. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's beautiful. And it's funny. This is how my mind goes too. So I'm right here with no. you. Yeah, I'm right here with you. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Um, once I was, you know, directed to more of your work and seeing how, you know, the goddess energy and the decks that you have that are more um, focused on the sacred feminine but then you have some works that seem more whimsical like I know you have like a circus deck and then you have um one that the is it the earth wisdom earth warriors yeah earth warriors yeah and it has even like a completely different type of energy so mm -hmm. I was so curious about that like how you just allow there must be some level of allowance and is that what goes on with you yeah there is I mean I like it because I think think about any woman like and this is not to put men aside because they have this as well but women are just you know so how many women do you know that are one thing right. they're not right they're just <laughs> yeah we're talking about the divine feminine you know she's everything she's sweet and she's tender and you mess with her and she's a fierce tigress and you just like cower you know in fear as she rises up and and she's, you know, flirty and she's serious and she'll love you with all of her heart and she's devoted and passionate and then she just, you know, doesn't want anything to do. She just needs her space and you can all just go away and she's everything. And it's, right. I think the divine is all things and there's something in this work and the, the diversity of it that really appeals to me because it's sort of the divine playing this lovely game with us saying, you know, do you need vitamin C or vitamin B or vitamin this or that or... You know, it's just, it doesn't have to be constrained to one way. And different times in our life, we need different energies and different support. And I think the permission to allow the divine to be as creative as it wants to be. I mean, imagine if Mother Nature just made one flower. Right. I'm sure it would be beautiful, but, you know, she can make lots of them and we right. can enjoy, you know, bird of paradise. We've got things sticking out and the... <laughs> lavender and a polite daisy and they're, they're all beautiful but they're all and they're all her and they're all her creation but they're all unique and they have different functions and I think with the work I really hope that you know when people experience the different aspects that they trust what they're drawn to mm -hmm. but they're drawn to different elements and different things that they can allow that to be part of their own soul journey 
you know, and not kind of feel that they have to be locked into, you know, just being spiritual like this. How horrible. It's another, you know, it's another constraint. We right. really have many constraints. I think less. We need less, especially on the spiritual path. No, I like, agree. And I noticed too, you have a lot coming up in 2020. So I want to ask you about some of these things. But what you're saying now reminds me of what I read about your Kuan Yin transmission, which I hope you can tell us about. But is that why even in that there are different goddesses represented because of the different facets of ourselves? Yes, and the different traditions. I mean, they all come from a different tradition and different parts of the world, different cultures. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I love about living in certain parts of Australia is it's very multicultural. So, and even when I was a little girl, I grew up um, in a primary school that had, you know, five or six different religious traditions. And that's just what I knew. And it wasn't until I started traveling and I realized that that kind of um, natural exposure to diversity is not always so readily available. And I just got so much out of it. It was, I found it interesting, not, um, off-putting and I found that there was beauty and different types of music and different types of food and different ways you know different ideas about what's beautiful and how to dress it was just really fascinating and there's something I think very healing about being open to difference in a way that you don't feel threatened because you value your own kind of traditions and your own spirit you know and your own soul but you can recognize that, you know, you might be really enriched by something different coming in. Again, I've gone off on a tangent. I can't remember what no, you said. No, no, no. Oh, the Kuan Yin. <laughs> Sorry. The, the Kuan Yin transmission. So there's an element of unity through diversity. And I think, you know, I really celebrate that um, just the range and the, the uniqueness of every being. And at the same time, I truly believe that we all have the same spiritual essence within our hearts. And I think that's we can have so much in common and, and be so different and so unique. I, I just think it's gorgeous. And to recognise that, I think, brings us closer to each other without having to create that culture of fear that demands that everyone fits in a stereotype or behaves in a certain way. I mean, that's just, it's constraining to the soul and the soul loves freedom. It, it needs right. to be what it is whether other people get it or expect it or not. That is beautiful. So can you tell us then what inspired this, the Kuan Yin transmission? And can you tell us a little bit about what it is and who it's for? Yeah, so it was really a divine project that I was sort of led into um, over the years. And it, it all culminated when I took um, a group of people from all over the world, actually, but we went to Tibet and climbed up, it was crazy, the altitude, and I was like half in my body and half out of my body going, oh, this is really difficult. But I had a dream um, of this beautiful heavenly lake. And when I woke up from that dream, I had a voice in my head saying, Google it. So I Googled heavenly lake and there was the lake from my dream. And I thought, it's an actual place I have to go. So that led to taking this group and we went to Tibet. And finally, we were at this lake um, which is considered to be a kind of goddess in the Tibetan folk tradition. And standing at that lake, which I described this in great depth, it was this whole experience, but it was a beautiful vision of Kuan Yin and Mother Mary and this kind of interaction of all these different energies. And, and that was the moment where I kind of felt like I got zapped. <laughs> uh, and then I came 
back down the mountain literally and wrote the book. Um, so that's the Quanyin Transmission book that's just come out. And then from that book, there is this training that I'll be doing in person. And essentially, I'm quite excited about it because it's quite different to what I've done before. Um, but it's essentially using uh, my energetic connection with these divine beings and kind of um, giving like a, I mean, it's a transmission, that's why it's called that, but like a, a zap, a seed, an awakening, a stimulation, almost like if you had two tuning forks and you were yes. kind of learning one. So I'll be there going, ah, like this, and then the, that same divine frequency, which I believe is in all of us, will be stimulated in the people that I'm working with in each sitting. And guidance has sort of said, you know, you need to do it in person because it's a physical, it happens from body to body, but it's energy. Right. And then from that, that person can begin to have and develop their relationship directly with those divine beings like I experience. And I've got to tell you, Yolanda, it's so just beautiful and incredibly enriching. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful things, if not the most beautiful thing in my life. So for me to be able to share that and facilitate for others to have that experience themselves, I just, I just want to do that everywhere. I want to share it everywhere. Uh, I can imagine. So I, it sounds like even an initiation of sorts. And mm -hmm. when you work with people in this way, do you find that they are... I guess, initiated or connected with even the energy of these specific goddesses or does it even go beyond them and whomever may feel resonant to the people you're working with? Yes, it's exactly that. Yes, because, I mean, all of these divine faces, they're kind of like facets of a crystal, but it's all the one crystal. So right. it's sort of, yeah. So if someone, and I mean, it happens in my work now, I can be doing a meditation and really bringing through one of the facets of the divine. And I always say to people, whoever comes through to you, go with that because you know I don't there's no judgment I'm, you know why would I say to people you must do it this way it's the opposite right. of about yeah so sometimes you know you get people sitting there and Archangel Michael or someone will connect with Jesus or um, an ascended master of some sort or um, the Buddha or you know any right. Pele you know you never know <laughs> <laughs> so but you are going to travel and people have an opportunity to meet with yes. you in person for this Yes, yeah. I, I thought about doing it online, but this and some things I can do, like I have an online training program, it goes for a year, it's all conducted online and it's strong and people grow through it, so it works. But there was something about this um, that guidance said, no, it has to be that they'll only get it if um, you have to be in the room. So I guess it's like saying, you know, it's different to imagining a tuning fork to actually, you, you've got to feel the maybe one day I'll be able to just, I don't know, meditate <laughs> at home and just. <laughs> send it out but uh, I'm not there yet so it's, I've got to be in the room <laughs> and so I'll be traveling um and sharing it from next year onwards and I will have details on the website probably early next year which will have some locations where it will, will start the ball rolling that's very cool of course I'm going to put the website in the show description for everyone but just to let you know now if you go to alanafairchild.com you can get information on all of the work all of the events I mean you do all of these sacred types of events and again on top of what you are creating artistically I have to ask too do you sing regularly publicly um I do normally in events but I'm okay I'm starting to bring through a little bit more music I'll be working on a very, very special new project at the end of this year which I'm excited about um and I mean the album with the Kuan Yin transmission there's an album of 
meditation, but also a music CD with mantra, um, which I'll be using in the transmission workshops itself. Uh, and, you know, I've sort of been juggling between appearing and writing and, and I have done some music. There's also like a Divine Circus album and I've just finished a, a little mini Sacred Rebels album. <laughs> so <laughs> which, yeah, so people can dance around their lounge room and feel, you know, connected to themselves. And so I'll be sharing that next year as well. Um, oh, I will definitely be looking for that one. I have to say um, with the Sacred Rebels deck, it's one of those decks for years I've used, especially for my self connection, you know, it's, um, I do a lot of self work with this deck, not necessarily, you know, to read other people. So I've gifted it to other people for that same reason. And I love this deck so much. And then, um, this year it's funny. I've had the Isis Oracle for years, but it was this year that it really jumped out at me. And so I've been building a relationship more with this deck. So thank you. Yeah. I think things speak to us at different times. Um, it's really interesting how it happens. I'm really feeling the goddess Isis more um, too. In fact, I, I'm taking a uh, retreat to Egypt um, in, uh, when is it? About a year from now. It's in October 2020. And that just came through really strongly, you know, that now's the time and we'll be working with a number of Egyptian energies um but especially like isis at the heart of it she's just so beautiful and such a badass and so yes. <laughs> so much about dignity and grace and feminine kind of strength within men and in women um you know within the, the deep human heart and and being able to hold that no matter how much rubbish is going on in the world around and sometimes downright toxic stuff and, and just being able to stay in the truth of your your purity and your dignity i think is really important so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I saw that and I wanted to ask you about that as well. So people know, because this is a retreat that people can sign up for and come with you. So mm. is it going to be um, centered around ISIS? Is it one of those things you're going to go and see actually what happens transmission-wise? Um, so we'll be visiting different temples and different sacred places, including ones dedicated to Isis. But I'm also going to explore um, some of the energies of the sacred masculine and how it relates to her story. So I'm quite passionate about, you know, these two aspects, the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine. And just I think they're, they're so important in their relationship. And it's just finding that space. Sometimes we need to focus on one, sometimes the other. So it'll definitely be a sacred feminine retreat, but those masculine elements will be there. And it's funny because it's been a mixture of men and women, um, still more women than men, but there are men that are enrolling in this, whereas I've done um, retreats in the past, like one to the goddess um, Lashmi in India, and it was all women wow. from all over. And it's just, it's funny, people sense at some level um, what's needed for them, I think, on their journey. And I think men, I mean... We want our beautiful brothers on the path with us, um, you know, awakening and healing and finding their own unique path, um, which is different, I think, to a woman's path of awakening, just as important. Yeah. It's interesting, too. I think a lot of events I go to, again, it's mainly primarily women, but the men that are there, it's amazing how open they are. Yeah. You know? yeah. Have some confidence, wouldn't you? Yes, yes. Rock <laughs> up to the Shakti temple and say, I'm here. Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you about what you just mentioned a moment ago. I didn't want to go by it because when I got your decks, I had no idea that there was an opportunity to actually work with you. 
And again, with the detail of your books, I mean, I would have been all over that um, <laughs> with the healing uh, that you write so beautifully in the books. So could you talk a little bit about your online healer program? And is that the same as the SGSM? Yes. So okay. it's the same. So SGSM basically stands for Soul Guidance and Sacred Mentoring. And that's a year long. It sort of runs from February to mid-November, end of November every year. Um, and we'll be in our fifth year uh, this year coming for 2020. Um, and it's beautiful. It's sort of, I had no idea what to expect. It's essentially four modules and it works with the first three crystal books. So Crystal Angels, 444, Crystal Masters, triple three, and then Crystal Goddesses, triple eight. And then the last module is kind of bringing it together. And it's a combination of, personal healing and self-development and then also being trained if you want to as a healer to do these particular modalities um, that use those books and use the crystal mandala oracle uh, in order to hold space for others and you can facilitate group sessions one-on-ones or workshops using this material we've had some great feedback like just these astonishing things that happen and i think it's because you know, I had no idea when I was writing this material that eventually I'd be doing that. So, right. I, you know, I, I never really know, <laughs> you know, what's happening. I only know what to do in just the moment and then I go with it. Um, but I think because there's so much um, purity in my own love and heart connection with spirit that that comes through. And so when people do the work, that's what comes through. And it's just, I'm blown away by it, you know. It's so yeah. amazing. Yeah. And again, the way that it expresses through you and in so many different channels. I mean, it's really amazing when you look at your body of work and what you're doing. So I have to ask too, was this always your path or did you have like a totally different life before coming into this work and what you've created? I I tell you, it's a funny thing. When I was really quite little, I remember having these different fantasies about what I wanted to do with my life. And I realized they've all kind of come true. But one is like, I want to be a librarian. And then... (laughs) I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be um, singing and dancing. And then there was something else. Oh, yeah, and I wanted to be a martial arts person working with energy. Anyway, I kind of do all of that now. (laughs) But there was a period in between where I really went through, um, it was kind of my initiation into a lot of struggle and a lot of suffering. And I think it was one of my definitely most difficult times in my life um, where I felt incredibly lost and really disconnected at some emotional level from believing that it was even possible. I mean, when I started, this is, you know, going back a couple of decades, no one really talked about singing, dancing, spiritual teachers. It wasn't even, you know, on any of the careers posters, you know, the closest okay. I ever get to anything was journalist. And I was like, I don't think, I don't know if I want to be a journalist. I, don't, I think I lack the you know, the killer instinct to be, <laughs> to be a journalist. I don't know. But anyway, it didn't really resonate. So I was lost. I didn't really know what to do. And I had depression and struggling with a lot of emotional issues from childhood and all of that and having to work through all of that. And it was such an education on just the difficulty of the human experience. And I look back and I wouldn't wish what I went through on anyone, but I can honestly say that a lot of it really gave me the foundation to know what it is that people need because I knew, figured out what I needed in order to heal. So it was a lot of my, um, my training really. And then at the end I went to law school and hated it and just, you know, <laughs> but I finished and, and then right towards the end a girlfriend of mine said, I'll go and see this um, psychic reader. 
and I um, I remember I'd never seen her before and she was swanning about in some lovely floating dress and she had a like psychic store with um, you know all new age books and crystals and I just walked in there and I thought oh, you know compared to a law office with those horrible stuffy books and look I'm not writing off some people love law and it's their path and they're great at it but I just it was painful for me it was like you know square peg brown hole all that but I went into this store and I just thought, I feel like I'm at home. And then I had a reading with her and she just said, you're an old soul and you're a healer and a teacher. And no one had ever said anything like that to me before. I was about, I don't know, 18 years old or something, 19 years old. And this voice came out of my mouth that I'd never heard before and I just said, I know, and that's what I'm going to do. And I was like, where the hell were you for the past, like, <laughs> how many years? I've been flailing about. And that was the beginning. I finished uni and I studied with her meditation and psychic healing for about two years. Um, and even within the first few months, I was doing tarot readings and I was that was it, you know. The right. universe just gives me a breadcrumb and I turn it into a feast. I'm like, oh, thank God, you know, <laughs> there's a sign of hope and I just go after it. So I kind of stumbled into it when the time was right. That is, I think that's uh, very inspiring to hear in a lot of ways, um, especially the part about the struggle that you went through, because a lot of people come into this work in that same type of way. And mm -hmm. it can feel very like, there's no way out. What is happening to me? Am I dying? What's going on? And it really struck me that you said you were getting an education. And it's one of those things a lot of us don't realize until hindsight, you know, looking back, it's like, oh, yes, and I wouldn't have understood any other way, right? So um, I thank you for sharing that, because I think it, it does, that inspires anyone who may be going through it right now. Oh, yeah, it's so important that we don't turn away, um, and that we have some sense that things will get better, because they will. Right. Uh, and I often say, too, you know, one of the ways that you you know an old soul is usually because of the amount of stuff that they have to deal with and often not for every person but for a lot of old souls it starts quite early mm -hmm. and so they can kind of be struggling um, or feeling like they have to change themselves to become worthy of love or to fit in or to be successful and it can take a long time to undo that and and to actually have the courage to say well what would happen if I'm just myself and if I don't try to change and if you know you weren't really raised with a sense of that mirrored that that's okay which most of us aren't because our society generally is still quite oppressive um, and quite fear-driven so you know you have someone that says oh what if I don't go by the system everyone goes oh my god you won't do that, <laughs> no, <don't> do that. <laughs> um, and it just takes that kind of moment and sometimes you know it's not until we really have a lot of stuff kind of bearing down on us that there's some part of us that suddenly just finds that inner sacred rage I call it where you just say to the universe enough <laughs> I'm ready to find my way out. No more. <laughs> Inner sacred rage. I love it. And it's funny. Um, the sacred rebels deck. What really drew me to the deck was just the title. I was like, sacred rebel. Yes. And that's what drew me in. And who knew like the beauty of this deck that would, you know, be in the box. But there's something about you too that um, screams community. And I imagine with the type of groups that you facilitate and even the work that you've shared, like the upcoming events that you have, sounds like it's group, uh, yeah. group work. So is that, have you found, um, have like a different texture and allowing people to be seen in these states of transformation that helps on their journey? Yeah. 
Um, you expressed yourself so beautifully. I just wanted oh, to say. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I do really feel that group energy is quite special. Um, there's something amazing about what happens when you're in a space and you're heart connected. Just oh, old family programming can just suddenly, it's, it's like the wind gets taken out of the ego sails in a lot of ways and, yeah. and you can experience what it's like to just be seen and loved and, and held in a space. And I think, you know, human beings, we still, even if we are quite individual by nature, we still you know, we belong to an ecosystem. We're not designed to be um, somehow separate from everything. We, we really do need that community holding. And even for me, and I'm quite a hermit in a lot of ways, I like a lot of space to create, but I still, I take great delight in the community gatherings. I just think they're the most beautiful thing, um, that chance to be in that energy and to share it. And what I love about it is it amplifies everything. Um, now, when I was first starting, that was difficult because it amplifies also the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> people's stuff can come up and like it takes a little while to figure out how to hold that so that you're aware of it but you don't unintentionally empower it right. <laughs> you hold the energy to bring through something that's actually going to cleanse and, and release that um, and it can be done but it took me probably about you know 17 years of teaching to be able to kind of in you know in my being figure out how to handle that um, but it's beautiful group energy is powerful and it helps it's like a choir the sound that comes through, you know, it can be really deeply resonant and help to shift things that no matter how amazing we are, we just can't quite handle on our own. And I think that teaches humility and grace. You know, we right. need it. We, we can't do it on our own. Oh, really, like, truly. Yeah. That's a beautiful analogy. It's like a choir. It, it's funny. It reminds me of, uh, again, reading um, your words. I mean, you just, the way you articulate things, it just strikes something inside where you really get it and everyone that I've gifted your deck to I, one friend in particular was like oh my gosh tell her how much I love this deck I, said, I promise I will let her know <laughs> if I could you know get past my own excitement um around it but one of the things I wanted to ask you too because even though you do have these other decks and I want to ask you about the white light oracle as well um is there a reason that you have not even just a reason why is this connection to the sacred feminine so important for all of us i think that's a really good question and i've been reflecting on this quite a bit um lately as i'm kind of sensing that that's the emphasis of where the work's going and even the things that don't seem like they're immediately related to the divine feminine like the divine circus oracle it's still very much her nature because, I mean, that deck is kind of um, finding the conscious capacity for healing play, playfulness wow. and reverence, you know, being able to just say to the system, I see you and you can just bugger off and I'm doing my own thing here. You know, with love, do it if you need to, but I'm not going to get caught up with it. It's just, right. just, and that's her as well, you know. The sacred feminine is really the liberating energy. Um, but I think, you know, I was reflecting on it and I realised I think it's because humanity as a whole is going through a birthing. It's kind of, it's chaos, but think about what happens when a woman gives birth, you know? I mean, it, with the exception of a few very lucky ones that just go in and go plop and the whole thing's done in three seconds, it's generally kind of more of a, you know, there's, you know, husbands or boyfriends' hands being grabbed going, why did you do this to me? And they're screaming and there's, you know, blood and there's, it's just, it's mess and it's life and it's crazy and it's intense. and 
and it's all of the energy that's required to bring something through. And I think humanity at a spiritual level is going through something like this, a kind of birthing process spiritually. And we can't birth without the feminine. That is her, her art and her particular talent and her capacity. She can hold the space for us to be able to be in the, the chaos of our own private growth, you know, because when we're growing, things are difficult and we're at our edge and then we're moving past our edge and we don't know what we're doing and we feel like we're stuffing it up, but we're making great leaps on the path and leaving the familiarity behind. It's beautiful, but it's right. often not very elegant, especially when we're figuring it out, then we become more masterful and we do the next thing. But we, we need that feminine to kind of hold us and to give us that strength of um, containment. Otherwise, it's like trying to make a salad with no bowls. It's stuff everywhere and, no, you know, you don't get the meal at the end. You just get mess. So we, we need her. And I think that's happening individually and I think it's happening in many cultures and I think it's happening, you know, globally for humanity. So my sense is that's why. And also... We have to be careful with technology. You know, it has so many potential gifts for reaching and connecting and we just have to make sure that we have enough wisdom to remain connected to our bodies, which the sacred feminine also does, that we can recognise when something might seem like a good idea in theory but it's just stupid. Right. You know? <laughs> don't, don't do that. When you need to connect with people, don't be on your phone talking to someone else. Like just little things where you kind of go, you know, what does my body need? How do I need to be to relate, to feel authentic connection? Without that, it's like trying to grow a garden with no fertiliser, no rain and no sunlight. Like it's everything's going to die. So we just, we have to, you know, have that sense of something that's going to keep us on the affirming the, the path of life and authenticity of, of the being. And I think sacred feminine energy is essential for that. I love so much that you mentioned um with that, that the divine circus oracle is also a facet of the divine feminine because it points back to what you said even a moment ago about the different facets of the divine feminine. And I think a lot of times where, you know, people connect with different goddess energies, we um, have the more segregated out, you know, and we may all put one face on what the divine feminine is and what that means. And so much of what you shared, hopefully people hear this and get this, is the how multifaceted the divine feminine is. And she, and this energy, I guess I shouldn't just she, but the energy of this isn't um, contained to a box or just a small um, definition. So that's really beautiful too, that you are showing that through the work that you provide. Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, I really want people to feel that it's, you know, it speaks to them. And I think this is why there is the multiplicity. You know, we are all so different. It's, you know, we all emerge, I believe, from the one creative spiritual source. Of course, that source that loves us, you know, with this passionate tenderness and devotion is going to manifest in all different ways. It's not like it's going to go, well, I'm this. You fix yourself to meet me. It's, it's <laughs> you know, it's not some narcissistic, horrible, you know, it's love. So, of course, it's going to continually adapt and, and want to express itself in and take whatever form is necessary for us to feel connected, you know. Yeah. It's like the, the beautiful parent that if the child's in a mood and, you know, might be sympathetic at first and that doesn't work and then it might be a little bit like, no, come on now and that's not working. You're thinking, what can I do? And then all of a sudden, you know, finger puppets. And it's <laughs> <you know? laughs> getting a smile. Or it's just that 
that continual desire to reach. And I think, you know, even with the diversity of the work, if people even have a small sense of that from my incessant desire to keep, you know, giving you things that might help and, and benefit in some way, then that's a small taste of what the divine will do for us. It's just, it's a completely different mindset to the fear-based, disconnected, striving, you know, that we're fed through mainstream media. Um, right. Very deadening and, and very fear, like fear-inducing, um, unnecessarily so. It's so true. Well, I know I can't have you all night. Well, it's night for me. I know it's not for you. But I have to ask you about um, one of your more recent decks, the White Light Oracle. And also if you could talk about the apps that you have. Oh, that's beautiful. It's an advanced copy, so it's, a, it's like the first one on them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm really excited about it. Sorry, and the apps. Yes, but the deck. So what is this deck about? And so I, Yeah, so this... I don't know if um, you can see it properly. I haven't got it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I was at a spiritual festival many years ago and um, a lovely woman came up to me and she said, have you thought about doing a deck with the art of um, Andrew Gonzalez, who's the, the artist? And I, I instantly knew who she meant because I'd seen his work years and years ago when I was really struggling with depression. And I remember when I saw his work at the time, feeling like it was some kind of sensual but spiritual ecstatic but grounded it was just delicious and it really just looking at his imagery at that time in my life really fed my soul with something that I couldn't explain and then all these years later this woman reminding me and I thought I would love to do that and I didn't really know what the deck would be about but I had white light oracle in my head instantly and I thought okay well that might be a working title it might change like sacred rebels I wrote three times and didn't know what the title was until the very end. Um, so I thought maybe it's one of these. But we approached the, author, uh, the artist and he was keen. And then and I sat down to write it and I kind of, it took me a while for it to percolate, but I realised it was all about the kind of underlying bliss and the ecstatic nature and how to kind of connect with that spiritual nourishment that that bliss energy brings without disconnecting from the struggles and the things that are part of our life it's sort of like it can be this beautiful baseline of our being that we drop into it's like we're out in the world and things can get a bit dry and you, you drop down into the you know the fountain and it's just sort of there and so it's all about connecting with these really just beautiful energies I'm so sorry. These beautiful energies that cross multiple traditions. And one of the things that happened with this, which I wasn't expecting, um, but all of these sound frequencies came through. So it was like um, a Bastet of 174 hertz and Seraph of 963. And I was fascinated and I thought, wow, is it going to like code into the cards? And I'm really like quite excited about that. So I was sort of writing about um, the different frequencies and then. Um, there's one called Epsilon Modulation, so it's sort of brain waves were coming. It was all this, like, really, it was totally blew me away. It was very cosmic to write um, and then just pulling it all together. So it's really, I'm really intrigued to see how people are going to respond to it, actually. I, yeah. I never really know until later until I hear from people and what it does for them, exactly what spirit was up to. I um, have, so there's two things I want to ask you because so, I know you have to go. I One I would love to know, um, from your point of view, 
how Oracle can support us, especially if there are people listening that have never used Oracle before. Like, how can it be of use? But I also wonder from the time you, the first deck you ever created till now, do you notice a difference in how people are connecting with the, the energy of the decks and how they are translating? Yes, um, I think that there's definitely an awakening in humanity. And I mean, the first deck, the Kuan Yin deck I wrote, I think it was in 2011 or thereabouts. So in the past, you know, actually that's the beginning of a decade, isn't it really? But in that past sort of almost 10 years period, there's been a, a really strong awakening. And I mean, think about what happens in our personal awakening. You start to do healing and stuff comes up. And I think that's what's happening on the planet. Stuff's mm -hmm. coming up. Um, so, yes, there's definitely a different response um, and people are going deeper and the energy that come, is coming through is stronger, which makes me very happy because the energy that comes through is beautiful. Um, but for those that haven't really worked with an oracle or are wondering how it supports, there's something very special about the combination of word and imagery with healing intention. Um, and I think, you know, we are fed imagery nearly constantly and a lot of it isn't particularly inspired. Um, in fact, if you think about the nature of the images that we're, we're fed through advertising, for example, it's pretty much always, why aren't you like this? Buy this and you will be. And it's like, you know, that's not enough to just make you completely depressed and you're constantly, constantly right. fed those images. And there's something about sacred imagery, which all of my decks, I'm very careful about what artists I work with and that they hold a certain... Um, vibration in their work it's meant to be nourishing and I think one of the reasons that these decks are just so healing is that there is this not only the intention but the energy that comes through it's very real and it's very accessible and it's why you can hold one deck and another and they feel even just holding them energetically they feel completely different because they are yes um, but yeah I think the soul has its own way of growth and it's a little bit like a beautiful plant. If you give it rain and you give it sun, it knows what to do, you know. It doesn't have to be told, grow this, you know, do this, put the root. It, it knows. Right. So the decks are kind of like giving that, that light and that warmth and that emotional nourishment that the soul needs and then it's enough, you know, for it to take it in and then it, it's stimulated by these natural energies to do what it knows how to do, which is grow it and become what we are in essence that is really really beautiful and you just made me think of how i said i had the isis oracle for a very long time and then there was a time where i felt very drawn to and a lot of people say that um how do i choose the right deck and a lot of people will say like you know there's this resonance with the energy of the deck so um that's beautiful so i wanted to ask um because We've covered a lot of what you do, but not everything. So again, people can go to alanafairchild.com and learn about the Kuan Yin transmission, the online healing, and the trip to Egypt, the Egypt retreat, which I'm going to look into. Um, but I wanted to know, would you recommend that people read the book that you mentioned, whether or not they're interested in you know, taking the class, but definitely if they want to do the Kuan Yin transmission, should they read the book prior? Yeah, yeah read the book. Um, there are cards, there's CDs. I will have like an online introduction to that training, um, which will just cover a lot of ground so that we don't kind of get together for two days for the transmission and have some people sitting there thinking I'm new to this. And I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page before we start. So 
Um, I'll have details about that available early next year. Um, and then the first um, uh, actual transmission in person with me will be in the second half of the year. So all those dates will become available um, in the new year. Yeah. Very Did I answer your question? Yes. 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 But yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And people will find too, I mean, you do all kinds of events, like I mentioned before, and you travel, I mean, you're an international teacher. So although you mentioned you're in Australia, for people in other countries and here in the States, you come here as well. So just so people know, don't think you can't join. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm all over the place. So you'll be able even, I mean, the last event, I did a um, three-day retreat in Perth and we had people from the US coming. It was amazing. So sometimes, you know, wherever I go around the world, there's always people from somewhere else. And I love that. Yes. It's like bees pollinating the planet with beautiful, nourishing divine honey, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I have to tell you, Alana, I have been so looking forward to this, to meeting you, um, if nothing else, to thank you for your work, but it is, um, you know, it fills my heart to be able to share this, especially having you talk about it because of how much I've loved the work that I've been exposed to of yours. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Yolanda. Just lots of love and blessings for your work work and it's just beautiful what you're doing and how you're sharing your voice and, and helping people find their way. Lots of love. Thank you. And thank you everyone for being here. We'll see you next time. Okay, so thank you so much again for being here and tuning in. I want to say a very special thank you to Alana for coming to share her work, her story, and for all of the beautiful offerings that she has through her work. So again, if you would like more information about her work, her oracle decks, the online healer training program, or even the Kuan Yin transmission, be sure to visit alanafairchild.com. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much. Remember to always journey in love.